You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Good day, podcast listeners. Randy Bolander here with the Third Cup of Coffee. Glad to have you with me one day post-Easter. Okay, day after Easter is when I'm recording this, and we had a fantastic Easter service. We were outdoors, which is always a little risky. I've had enough outdoor events uh, go a little haywire to be nervous about that. This could not have been better. It was 72 degrees. The sound was good. The band was good. Eh, Preaching was okay. It was just gorgeous outside, and people were so happy to see one another and celebrate it was it was fun. Now, I will also say, as fun as it was, it was impossible to record. I just, well, I say that now, but I just never ask, to be quite honest. It, maybe, maybe it was possible to record, but whatever reason, uh, we did it and we have no recording of it. So rather than uh, just kind of vamp on something else, I want to talk a little bit about what I shared yesterday morning because it's still true. How's that? It's still true. There's a joke among pastors when you ask them on the week of Easter, so what are you preaching on? And, you know, like I told people yesterday, pastors aren't very funny. That's about as as witty as we get. Other weeks, we may try and have an interesting or fresh take on something, but on the day we celebrate the resurrection, there's really only one message. And the message is, the grave is empty, and Jesus cannot be contained. Now, there are a lot of things in life, usually negative things, that are allowed to exist if they simply can be contained. On Wednesday or Thursday, I'll have a podcast out with Modern Day Missions, and I interviewed Georgian Banoff. I think I referenced him last week, uh, but he escaped from Bulgaria at the height of the Cold War. And in that season, President Harry Truman figured he could never stamp out communism, but he would do all he could to contain it. He would help any nation who would resist communism, and that's how they would contain communism. When wildfires burn in California, they don't try and fight the whole fire at one time. They work on containment. Then they say crazy things like, the fire is 40% contained, which sounds to me like 60% out of control, but containment is what they're shooting for. We hear scientists, when they talk about COVID, how one day it will be contained, but Jesus cannot under any circumstances, be contained. 1 John chapter 1, 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the person of Jesus was an uncontainable force, the light of God, and communism will be contained, and wildfires will be contained, and one day COVID will be contained. But when you flip a light switch in a room, the darkness has to flee. It's not like the light is 40% overpowering the darkness. The resurrection flipped that switch in the universe, and Jesus suddenly could not be contained in a tomb. If you go to Luke 24, It starts out like this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went into the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they went in and they could not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, if the stone being rolled away and the men in dazzling apparel were not enough to make them think that something special was going on, what about the sentence, why do you seek the living among the dead? You can imagine them answering, well, because he was dead when we put him in there. Not mostly dead. He was all dead. He was beaten. He was bloody. He was pierced in his side until blood and water ran out. So excuse us if we thought he would be in the grave. The angels continue. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mark 16, 6 says, He is risen. He is not here. Now, when I hear pastors saying, No one has ever been risen from the dead before, I kind of cringe because it's not true. It happened in the Old Testament. Uh, It happened in Jesus' ministry. People rose from the dead in Jesus' day, at Jesus' hand. Lazarus was raised by Jesus. But all of those people who were raised by the power of God at various times through history from the dead eventually died of something. You think about that. Lazarus died of something. What did Mary and Martha do the second time their brother died? Like, take him to the doctor? can hear the doctor saying, has this ever happened before? Well, yes, once. But no, he's, he's dead now. Jesus is the only person in all of history who rose from the dead and stayed undead. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 says, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality, to light through the gospel. Jesus didn't delay death. He abolished it. When Jesus was found to be uncontainable, when he couldn't be held in the grave, he tore a doorway into the wall between you and the Father. And he says, I got through. Now you can get through. Suddenly, the impossible was possible. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that sounds exclusive. I'm the only way. No one comes to the Father through me. And that's true. It is exclusive. But you guys, suddenly there's a way. You can reach God. You can encounter the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it can live in you. Because Jesus cannot be contained you cannot be contained. Even when he walked on the earth, Jesus envisioned a day when you would not be contained by death. Even before he demonstrated this in his own life, he had set his eyes on the day when you would demonstrate resurrection power. Talking to Lazarus's sisters before he brings Lazarus back from the grave, He spoke prophetically of the day to come after his own resurrection. Now, keep in mind, Lazarus is assuming room temperature here. He is cold and getting colder. Meanwhile, Jesus talks about the future. I can imagine Martha saying, this is a great story, but can you do something? Rigor mortis is setting in. 
And Jesus is really telling her that he's getting ready to do something that will blow what he is about to do out of the water. Yes, I'm going to raise your brother from this death, but I'm going to abolish death for everybody. In John 11:25 to 26, he says to his sisters, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks her the life-determining question. Do you believe in this? If Jesus can't be contained, and in your faith you can't be contained, then if you can't be contained, your behavior can't be contained or controlled. You are not susceptible to the long-term effects of death, and you are not contained by your long-term patterns of sin. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing about Jesus' death and resurrection, his uncontainability, if you will, and how because of it, we are not contained. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, he says, from here on out, all bets are off. Like, we're thinking about everybody differently. He goes on to say, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as thus no longer. He's like, we thought of Jesus as a man. We found out he was also God. And in encountering resurrection power, we don't think of people as mere mortal beings anymore. Quit living like death is a permanent thing. Quit living as if your sin has a control over you or can contain you at all. He goes on the next verse to say, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, given the nature of our family, which is uh, six adopted, four bio kids, and lots of conversations about why are you that way? We talk a lot about the idea of nature and nurture. Some things are ingrained in us as we are grown. Other things are just seem to be a part of our DNA. Jesus comes to set you free from that you were born with and that you picked up on your own. In the grave or in our lives, Jesus can't be contained. Because he can't be contained, those who follow him can't be contained, and their lives cannot be manipulated by the hurts and the sins that once did that. If all of these things are true, if the resurrected Jesus could not be contained, and you can't be contained, and your behavior can't be contained, then the gospel of Jesus, this incredible story, can't be contained either. You know, there are stories that are meant to be kept in-house. You know what I mean? These are the stories that every family has that you might tell to one another. And if you're really brave, you might tell it at the Thanksgiving table when your cousin has a you know visiting girlfriend. There, eh, nah, No, you wouldn't even do that. You would not tell those stories. These are in-house, family-only stories, and you don't tell anybody. I'll tell you one of mine. Okay, true story. I wouldn't tell this publicly, but I'll, I'll tell you. True story. I had an Uncle Irwin who uh, was multi-talented. When I say multi-talented, I mean he was, you've heard of uh, people that are bivocational. Uh, Irwin was easily quad-vocational. Easily. He, at one point, was a butcher 
an auto mechanic and a pastor. And there was a fourth career and I cannot remember what it was and it's driving me nuts now. But like Erwin could do everything a little bit. Now, the other part of the story, and I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, growing up when I was very small, we did not have indoor plumbing. Uh, well, we had we had uh, running water, but we did not have a bathroom. We had an outhouse. Yes, I grew up in North Dakota. Yes, it was cold. Whatever you're imagining, it was worse. I was little. I don't remember it very well, but I do remember it. Now, this is where these two weird threads coincide. At about four years old, we put a bathroom in the house, which meant we didn't use the outhouse anymore. At some point, my uncle Irvin, the pastor, auto mechanic, butcher, slash whatever, moved the outhouse, very important part of the story, he moved the outhouse to another spot on the farm, and he started using it as a smokehouse for sausage. That's a completely true story. I remembered that like in my 30s, and I thought that cannot be true. I started asking family members, yeah, yeah, that's true. That is an in-house story. You would never, ever share that publicly or on a podcast. You just, you just tell the family about that. The gospel of Jesus, though, is not an in-house story. It is not one we just laugh about on holidays with one another. The story of Jesus is meant to expand and go places. Jesus declared it to be so. He promised between his resurrection and the ascension to the Father, that the resurrection power that he displayed and shared with those who trusted him could not be contained. He said this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Now, the ease with which we travel has diminished our appreciation of this. Like, we have um, diluted the impact of you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Because we can get on a plane tomorrow and go just about anywhere. But his disciples, while they were in Jerusalem, realized that telling the story in Jerusalem was a little risky right now. They killed Jesus recently. They might have been to Judea and Samaria, although they had hang-ups about the people who lived there and do not even get a good Jewish boy started about the Samaritans. And the ends of the earth? These were rough fishermen, tax collectors, young boys. They had never traveled very far. And when Jesus said, that's where this thing is going, these young men and women took it. How? He gave them the power not to be contained in their own world of fear. They were no longer their own responsibility. We spend an inordinate amount of time mitigating risk, and a believer in Jesus is relieved of the burden of self-preservation. The truth is that Jesus cannot be contained to the grave, and it changes so much that we are no longer in fear of what we feared before. How? Only resurrection power can do that. Nobody does that on behalf of a dead man. No one does that if they're afraid of death themselves. Only the truly alive and the alive forever would ever set their course to spread the story of Jesus across the known world. Churches trend towards two different kinds of bodies. Okay, and I've said this before. There are come and see churches and there are go and do churches. 
Come and see churches invite you in. Very warm, very friendly. Come and see. Come and see our building. Come and see our Christmas program. Come and see our petting zoo. Come and see our thing. And a lot of people come and see and they meet Jesus there. It's, it's not without value. It's not without truth. At the bridge, though, what we're trying to build is a go-and-do church. That's not to say that we won't hold services, but that the services have a slightly different purpose. They inspire people to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to believe for signs and wonders. And through a go-and-do church, the local expression may never be that spectacular. The local congregation may never be as vibrant or as exciting as your typical come-and-see church, but the kingdom cannot be contained in the hands of a go-and-do church. On Easter Sunday, we met at a beautiful outdoor venue. Last time we were there, we were on the verge of a go-and-do opportunity. We were sending Steve and Kristen Hickey to Alaska as missionaries. And yesterday, when we met on Easter, another go-and-do, because the gospel cannot be contained. Our good friends, Daniel and Carla Grenz, were getting ready to leave, leave their four kids back home. They're taking one along because she's expecting, so that one's got to go. But they left today, Monday, for an 11-day missions trip in an area of the world that many of you would never want to visit because it's hard, it's a little dangerous, a lot of unknown. I can't even mention it on the podcast. But Grenzas understand that because Jesus was not contained, and because we cannot be contained, and because our behavior cannot be contained, and because this story of the gospel can't be contained, that it's got to go and it's got to do. It is what Jesus told us to do in between raising from the dead and going to be with the Father. He's like, you know, you're going to do a lot of different things, but make sure you do this. Make sure the kingdom is preached. Make sure it expands because the gospel is a story that is meant to expand. Jesus, what he does in us cannot be contained. I hope you have a great week. I hope you catch the Modern Day Missions podcast this week with Georgian Banoff. It is fantastic. Grab it. You're going to want to listen to it. It should come out on Wednesday or Thursday at the latest. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week on the third cup of coffee.